I think we really got something here. It's like, no, that's not a thing. You gotta tell them that you ate your ex. We are some creative guys. Are we about to kiss? No. Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven and with me as always is Brandon. We are not the cool jackets guy in this episode, but I'm still representing the jacket. And it's a very, very snowy day here in the city of Chicago. Honestly, one of the biggest blizzards I've seen in what has been five years as of, I think today is when I officially moved here five years. Actually, no, yesterday was when I officially moved here five years ago. Yeah, I. Uh, how often did you get snow like this in Ohio? Uh, a lot. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's not something that you're unaccustomed. No, to. definitely not. I think actually I got more snow in Ohio than in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, it snows a little more. It's slightly warmer, but it's the weather's terrible and less sunshine there. So I actually moved up and got more sunshine when I moved to Chicago. Which, nice. Which few people can say? Well, I, I could definitely say that because Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Not getting a lot of sunshine in these uh, in these months, and uh, the winter depression hits hard. Yeah, so I think uh, you you know how that feels for sure. So uh, for a little bit of context on this episode, I think both of us were pretty heated. Like, but basically, whenever we record, we usually talk a little bit just about whatever beforehand. But in this one, we got pretty heated on on some topics, talked about some anxiety. So in this episode, we'll probably talk about a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of just things that kind of piss us off. Uh, which I feel like we kind of do that in every episode. So that's n- nothing out of the ordinary there. Um, and also another thing that I'm just going to bring up, which is, I think, isn't this the day that you m- moved to Chicago one year ago? Wasn't this the exact day? Did I move? Oh, yeah, I started my move, but I, I didn't get here till the 1st of February. Was it the 1st? Yeah, because I left the mm. 31st and I stayed in Wisconsin ah. for a night. And then I got here the 1st because I wasn't able to move in until the 1st. Gotcha. Yeah, so technically tomorrow at the time of this. So like, what what is tomorrow at the time of this recording? By the time you all listen to this... Brandon will have just officially hit the one year mark since he moved to Chicago. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh it doesn't feel like it. It feels like <laughs> Definitely just doesn't. a couple days have gone by. <laughs> a couple really long, hard fought days. Oh yeah. But uh, uh here's the hope in that twenty twenty one feels like uh the Chicago I was planning to move to. Yeah, not a this, little more. Not this weird, compromised, strange Chicago that we've had. I will say I, I feel like I was fortunate that I moved before the pandemic, though. Yes. I feel like if having to move that far of a distance during the pandemic would have been just – I mean, you moved um, just to a different part of the city, and it was – was it bad? What, I mean, it seemed like a little it, bit of a pain. It was a little stressful just because, like, everybody was on edge at that point. Just, like, nobody knew – what was open and I had to like call every day like hey just so I'm clear you are an essential business right with this whole move like this is happening right so there was a little little bit of that but I think the the thing you got especially fortunate uh the especially fortunate part of your move was you did get a little window into what Chicago would be like without the pandemic so I feel like you always have that to hold on to so it may because I imagine if you moved here like right as the pandemic started you would really not be able to tell if the move was everything that you hoped it would be. But mm-hmm. now you at least know when some of this starts to get a little more normal, what it might be like. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that the, that first like month and a half that we had before the pandemic really like it turned into a quarantine. I, mm-hmm. uh, I was freaking love in Chicago. Um, yeah. Cause there's just, I was talking uh, on my stream the other day, just about, we, we were talking about how some people don't want to live in the city and, they prefer the quieter areas of either like the suburbs or out in the country and stuff. And I was just talking about how I could see myself one day, like moving to New Zealand, like out in the middle of nowhere and maybe having like, uh, you know, my wife or something. And we're just kind of living the rest of our days out there in, in the, the quiet, peaceful area. But while I'm like ambitious and aspirational and stuff, the city really fosters, that desire to push yourself and, and uh, go places. So I, I, that was a big reason why I moved here in the first place, but it, it kind of stinks to not be able to um, get that energy uh, currently because everything's like closed. And, and we even talked about now we, we live closer to each other, which is nice, but like my walks to you used to be a lot more like exhilarating for me, but now it's just like, 
a hop and a skip to you. And in, 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 in that specific facet, it's like, well, the walk isn't as exciting as, as it used yeah. to be. Not a big deal, but, um, but yeah, just uh, a little thing that I, we've kind of observed over time. So, but we'll see where things go. Um, you have, I don't know if you've announced it or you're going to move, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I am going to move now. I, w- I will be staying in Chicago. So if I make any like clickbaity title on YouTube, like I'm moving or something, I'll tell you right now, it's still going to be in Chicago, but yeah, I, uh, there was several things that sort of played into this decision, but yeah, I think I am going to move. It'll be closer to the summer. And also part of the reason I want to do it too, is it's like, there's better rent prices right now than than normal in Chicago. And I was just like, it might as well at least see what's out there. So it kind of started with just checking. And then I was like, it would be kind of nice to make a move. And then shortly after get like the vaccine and sort of just have this whole snowballing effect of just a whole new feeling all over again. So yeah, no, no update on the move or anything yet. I don't even know exactly where I'm going to go, but I have some ideas of what I'm hoping to do. And I'm definitely itching to get back into the gym. I'll say that. That's been the thing that's really been difficult. Like, I made a gym out of my apartment, and it's fine. I'm really thankful that I'm able to even do that, but I'm I'm over it. <laughs> well, that was one of the things that we did, too, was I, I would – I remember when I first moved here, I would walk to your place. We would work out. And then the rest of the night was either us hanging out or doing creative stuff. And uh, it was such a nice um, routine for me um, to really be motivated to take care of myself physically. And uh, and I do I do really miss the gym because um, I, I even like thinking about working out now. Part of me is like I would I feel like my body does a lot better when I'm I'm putting on muscle um, while I'm, you know trying to shed weight and stuff. Um, but there's not a lot of things I can do to truly build, you know, um, sustainable muscle right now without like having weights. I did get some like dumbbell stuff, uh, for Christmas, but I, uh, you can only go so far with that stuff. You, you got a bench press though, didn't you? I got uh, a a couple of like 50 pound dumbbells. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Which that, I mean, it's not, super heavy so I can, it's not like in like a full bench press workout in but the good part is like I can just focus on form and there's a lot more workouts that I can do now that I at least have a little bit heavier weight than I had before yeah 50 pounds I typically do like cock lifts with 50 pounds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually want to know how would that work so well it depends are they're dumbbells or are they like the 50 I suppose they don't make 50 pound plates okay so dumbbells you said yeah right? they're dumbbells so I, I rest the dumbbell bar on my cock okay and then I I just flex my erection and okay. then it just picks it up oh okay yeah. so I do I do 50 pound lifts cock lifts as well that, that's that's kind of cool. that's what we call them in the biz yeah okay all right <laughs> I wonder <laughs> I wonder how uh, how tough that is. Uh, for me, it's uh, I feel like I'm not really pushing myself. Think about like you're not even pushing yourself. So you think you could probably do 100 if you just kind of I probably go more, up. probably 100. more than 100. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, thinking about mm. yeah, cheese. Mm. Back in back in my day, you know, when I was just lifting full women. You know? So like, speaking of women, <laughs> uh. No, I don't really. I don't really have a good segue there. I know you were you were going on a bit of a rant before this episode about about women? about about attractiveness, about how oh. you just kind of over people talking about. I mean, I I agree. Like the the concept of attractiveness, obviously, it's important. I'm not gonna. I'll be honest and say I'm not gonna date someone I'm not physically attracted to. It's not gonna happen. I need that like the initial attraction to at least like spark my curiosity and like. There are important aspects in a relationship that you kind of need to be attracted to the person that you're with. But as I have come to realize, it as much as it does matter that they're attractive, like at some point they're not going to be attractive. And no matter how attractive they are, like at some point you're not going to be as into them sexually. Like it might be after two years, might be after 20 years. I don't know what the number is, but at some point that's going to kind of go. Well, and then what are you left with? Well, 
here are the two perspectives that bother me about the attractiveness thing is number one, people on the outside looking in who say, Oh, he, he shouldn't be with her. He's like way out of her league or vice versa. She's way out of his league. Or, I mean, I guess if we want to include all sexualities, she's out of she, her, her league. He's out of her, his league, whatever. I'm just saying like, if attractiveness is subjective, which I believe it is, I, I mean, I'm sure that you could probably say that some people are just objectively like you can you can respect their level of attractiveness, even if they're not your cup of tea. But for the most part, I think it's subjective, specifically when it comes to who you want to date. So I cannot fucking stand like and since I redownloaded TikTok, I see it all the time where people will like where it'll be like a girl and like maybe like a heavier set guy or vice versa and then someone will do edit and be like yeah you go king you got her and you play video games what like it's a, this big thing it's like shut the fuck up i'm I, I can't fucking stand it because it's not first of all like for me i think that people become more attractive uh based on um how i get to know them so if that's the same way for anybody else if like they become more beautiful because of who they are as a person, then what you see on the surface doesn't fucking matter as much. And I think that that's more sustainable anyways, because like you said, that the actual physical attractiveness in us all goes away after a while. Um, but it's also just like, I, I'm so sick and tired of other people weighing in. Cause then you, I I've had this happen before where I've been in relationships and, and some, some fucking dumbass dudes are like, Oh, she's too hot for you or something. And then they try to make a move on her because they think that they're hot shit. I'm just like, dude, fucking look at you. I'm fucking better looking than you. Shut the fuck up. And then it gets into this argument about who's more attractive. And it's just so fucking petty and immature. And the other thing is when people, and I've had a conversation with, uh, some, some women on this, where they'll say that they're more attractive than a person. So they'll like put themselves on a pedestal above people like prospective uh, suitors. Like I talked to this one girl one time and she's like, well, I mean like it's just different for me because I could have whoever I wanted and him, like he would be lucky to have me. And this was all based on attraction. I'm just like, that's the most fucking pretentious arrogant thing i've ever fucking heard and hated i you're ugly to me <laughs> now that's the bottom line like yeah. you're not attracted to me at all i can't stand that but yeah. i feel like that's a common thread like we put so much stock into very uh fleeting things in life sometimes and attractiveness uh like physical attractiveness i think is one of them like i'm not saying you should be with someone you're unattracted to but Telling me who I should be with because I'm a certain level of attractive and they're a certain level of attractive is just fucking stupid. Yeah, basically, I had a conversation with Brandon the other day where I, I've I've realized this over time, but just to how ridiculously unimportant the attractiveness of the person is once you get to a certain point. Like, yes, it is important. I'm not going to date someone I'm not physically attracted to, but. I get very frustrated when people will do anything to be with someone who, yes, is very physically attractive, but they have nothing in common with them or they're a horrible person. But for some reason, they overlook all of this just because of what? Is it to show other people how hot their girl is? Is it so that they feel better about themselves and think that they landed this really attractive girl? Like, what is the thing that keeps people in these awful relationships a lot of times just because, what, they're so attracted to this person? Like, I'm not, I'm not at all surprised that there are so many bad relationships and that there's so much divorce because you just look at the dumb, just the dumb reasons that people stay with people. And it, let's be honest, no matter who you're with at a certain point, it's going to get kind of bland in certain ways. What's well, I said? It's just going to happen to be very frank. We talked about this. Like if I just was like hooking up with chicks because they had big tits, like sure. If we had sex, that might be fun for the first couple times, but then I'm like, okay, well, I already did this, and that's all it was about. Mm -hmm. And now I'm I'm tired of it, and now I'm using this. I completely use that person, and I'm a shitty guy. So I just feel like I, I just I I can't I I can't get behind that. TikTok is the absolute worst. Like the amount of like girls who post like, 
I'm only going to be with a guy who makes this much money, who's this tall, who's this successful, and all these specific things. It's just like, I I, I hate it. Like tick, I mean, I, I don't want to go on a separate rant where I just knock TikTok, but the part of the reason why I hate it so much is it just puts all this stuff right in our faces. Like all this, this superficial stuff that, yeah, it, it's cool or it's great for a short time being, but none of it is sustainable. I also think that they've done like psychological studies on um, like couples who uh, date down typically have better relationships and longer lasting relationships because it isn't about the attractiveness. It's about the person. And I think that you also see in, in uh, psychology that people who grow up attractive, a lot of times can have, variably shittier personalities because just by nature of their environment, they get treated differently because of their attractive attractiveness. Like we see that like a, an attractive lawyer is going typically going to have uh, better results than an unattractive lawyer. Uh, just because, you know, you might be more willing to listen to a person that might be attractive or something. What I just think is like so bizarre to me. Um, but I just, I, I, I think that study in itself of like the the dating down which i i don't even like that either but it just goes to show that it's not that's not all that it's cracked out to be like date somebody who's fucking this when we got back into the 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 chemistry versus compatibility conversation so i said compatibility is so fucking important i'm not saying you can't have the chemistry or like you can completely not have any chemistry with the person and it should work but we value this chemistry, but that stuff is dictated by so many fleeting things. So many things that have nothing to do with a, a substantive thing. Like I was talking to this, uh, this girl who she's 22. She, she started seeing this guy and she wasn't like feeling the spark for him. And one of the things that I talked to her about was look like that spark thing I'm not saying date him and just give him a chance because if you're uh, – I'll go into it. Anyways, the spark thing can be, like, manufactured. They, you can – if you go on a first date with somebody and you go to, like, a theme park or something and ride a roller coaster, that's adrenaline-inducing. And you are more likely to transfer that adrenaline feeling of the roller coaster onto the partner that you went on that date with. So – you feel like there's a spark, but what really happened is you rode a fucking roller coaster with somebody and, uh, like with that being said, there's also other factors. Like if you're having a shitty time in life, maybe things in life are impacting you negatively towards this person. But anyways, I was just like, I'm not saying just give this guy a chance and ignore your feelings because at the end of the day, if you're thinking something should be there and maybe there's something wrong, if there isn't, you're already, you're already at a losing point. You you probably already lost the, the battle because you're thinking that something should be there that isn't. And maybe that means something's wrong. And so you already are starting at a negative uh, point of view. So I told her just like be patient with it and, and just get to know the guy or whatever. But I just, I don't know. I, I'm getting out all over the place, but I just I'm I'm tired of a lot of this stuff. I, I'm exhausted with I, everything. I hate it. No, I I'm I'm exhausted with everything. I'm exhausted with the I, the last year has been very frustrating to just watch people and how they have responded to difficulty in this world. Just just like generally speaking. I'm more negative toward people than I've ever been before. Not even just like, like this attraction thing has been so obvious to me that I'm not, I'm not going to be with someone who is just sucks to be around. I don't care how hot they are. It doesn't matter to me. Like I'll like, it might be fun a few times, but I'm going to be over really quick. Like it, when you, I'm definitely attracted to people who it's pleasant to be around them. Like I enjoy being around them. I can be myself around them. If I can't be myself around you, it's done. It's over with. And also, like, why would you want to be with me if you felt like you couldn't be yourself around me? So, like, I, I get it. It just seems like common sense. But I feel like a lot of our, like, well, uh, like um, social media stuff in particular really p- shines a spotlight 
on how messed up some of this stuff is. Well, and when you also, when you go into a, a, a deep relationship with someone for the status of things, whether it's because of their attractiveness or social media following, social media <laughs> following or um, money, like that stuff, like what I worry about is, okay, so, you know, I used to be 180 pounds, but now I'm not. So there goes my attractiveness. <laughs> You know, like that stuff can change. Like what if I'm rich and then all of a sudden I uh, lose my job and now I'm like struggling. So you, you, you were with me because of my money. So now what's going to happen that I lost my job? People do that. You're going to abandon me. There's people who just date for that reason. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. And I just think like, you know, whatever. I'm not even going to say it's fucking bullshit because do whatever the fuck you want. I'm just saying like when I think about my life. And the person that I want to be with, I already, I, I have never had so many trust issues than I have at this point in my life. And thinking of like signing up for a long-term relationship with anybody, it would take so much um, for me to to be like, I'm at that place now. Uh, like even in my last relationship, I was just like, I'm just trying to take it day by day. Like I'm not ready to sign up for anything because you can be with a, you know, I had a past relationship where I was with the person. I lived with the person and I was like committed to the idea of marrying them. And then everything went to shit. So I'm just like, I can love a person to this extent and it's still not work out. Like I want to like, I need to build that trust so much because I, I can't control you. And if you're with, if like the reason that you're with me or you're attracted to me are because of certain things, fuck you. Like, because I'm, well, that's a very broad, you're going to be attracted to me because of certain things. <laughs> but if you're with me, if you're attracted to me because, uh, you know, like I make a lot of money or I have a, a following or, you know, whatever, I just, that's not sustainable. And I want someone who's going to stick by me in the same way that I would stick by them. Like if you were in the shitter, I've got your fucking back. I want you to have mine too. And I just don't, uh. I don't know that you can count on that many people to do that. You can't. You can't. You can't count on people these days. I sometimes I'm sad when I listen to myself talk now. <laughs> Why are you sad when you listen to yourself talk? Because I just remember I'm gonna get emotional. What? Fuck. <laughs> oh no. Fuck. Now I seem insensitive because he's like, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> I laugh immediately. <laughs> we just react different. Not we, but just like yeah, people yeah, yeah. react no, I, differently. I get it. I just remember like, uh, I don't know. I remember being like 20 and just fucking believing in the world so much. And like, uh, and just believing in myself, you know, and, uh, fuck, sorry. (laughs) And just feeling like, um, so excited for the future and, uh, like things are really going to work out. And, I mean, I was definitely naive, but, you know, life really fucking beats you down in a lot of ways. But I just, like, I hear myself talk now, and I feel like my perspective now is more realistic, but it, it, it comes with a a tinge of just bitterness. Hmm. And I wish that I could have gotten to this realism without feeling like, man, I just got fucked, you know, feeling like I really lost or like a failure and stuff. And... uh you know, even times I feel like I feel like life has kind of been like what my music pursuit was where I would get like an opportunity or something and I'd be like, holy shit, like this could be the next step. This could be a, a an objective step in the right direction. And then that event happens or something and it's just it's so disappointing. Like it, it didn't it didn't pan out at all. I remember. I, I, um, there was this band called Cedar. They used to be called Cedar Avenue. And I remember being a freshman in college and listening to them on cities 97, which was a big radio station. And they were like getting nationwide pub for a song that they had released. And I was like in love with them. They were awesome. And, and they didn't really want to pursue music as, um, 
vigorously because some of them already had families and stuff. So they stayed to the local scene and they were a pretty local, uh, a big local band. Well, I went out on a limb and I reached out to the guy who like did their booking and stuff. And I was like, Hey, I I'm going on a limb here, but I love your guys' music. I ever, I have ever since blah, blah, blah. My band, I think, does a similar thing where I, I think we really try to do music that means something and is impactful. I think it would be awesome if we, like, opened a show for you guys. Um, I think it would be a one hell of a night. And to my surprise, he responded, and we got to open for them. And I was so pumped to, like, I worked to get this. And we had built up enough of a following that he paid attention to us and wanted us to come. Well, it just so happened that like none of our fans came, (laughs) none of their fans came until they were on. And so we ended up performing in this cool venue to like my dad and that band. And it was just so disappointing because, you know, I just felt like (sighs) something I, I don't know. It's almost like expectations are the root of (laughs) disappointment sometimes. Like if, I don't know. For sure. That I I I connect to this a lot because I mean I, I think I, I just had talked about this recently, which is for me, I think about myself in high school where I, I was a lot like you just said, where I, I was very optimistic on on people and I had a very positive outlook. I was I gave everybody a chance. I I was just a lot more trusting and a lot more optimistic that people had the best intentions and as I've gotten older and I don't know exactly where things started to shift but somewhere into my 20s I definitely felt things go in a different direction where I became a lot less like that like probably around the same age you're talking about maybe it was around 20 I don't know exactly when it was well 20 wasn't my shift I just remember being 20 and, and uh, yeah, believing yeah, yeah. and stuff but go ahead. yeah 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 yeah, so I, I, I don't know exactly like what year or when, but I do know that some sometime in that general ballpark of my life, I started to feel a little more negative towards people. And you're absolutely right. Like, there is, every, everyone's life is a little bit different, like depending on your upbringing, but there is sort of this youthful ignorance at just what goes on. Uh, you, you just, you see things differently. And then as you get older, you're exposed to more things and you have more bad things happen and you start to just, wonder like wait a second like th- this isn't cool like i you you mean that someone's not going to just pat me on the back for this thing or you you mean that just because i want it doesn't mean it's going to happen like that that's a really rude awakening for a lot of people and i felt i felt this a lot over the the first half of my 20s i felt like while you were doing the music stuff i was like going after the journalism thing i was in a relationship Um, and I kind of felt my life take just a a different direction. I felt like all of a sudden I, I didn't know where to go next. Like after I went through a bad breakup, I decided like, Oh, I don't want to do TV news. Like, this is, this is a bad path for me. And then I felt like I thought this was supposed to be fun. Like T like, like being on TV, like I thought that was going to be really fun and it was miserable. Like I was super unhappy and I think that's a good example of you wait your whole life for something and you think that once you hit it I, this 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 was life-changing for me my whole life I watched TV and I wanted to be there for people when they were got done with their work day they could turn it on and be like oh let's let's watch what Steven has to do in whatever I like whether it was an actor or a TV talk show host whatever it was but then when you get there and you realize you're miserable like it's terrible there's almost no worse feeling in the world than that. And it was a big wake-up call because it showed me that life, it definitely is not destinations. If you think that once you hit something, everything will be better, whether it's that first time that you see you have uh, a six-figure salary or that first time that you uh, you bench press that weight you didn't think that you could do or whatever other uh, like goal you set for yourself, it's probably not going to feel as good as you think. And if it doesn't, you can't let it just completely destroy your world. And that's the reason why I I changed my entire perspective in my 20s and went to more of this idea that 
everything is just a checkpoint. And when you hit that checkpoint, that's great. But there's a next checkpoint that's right around the corner. And nobody in life, unfortunately, is going to make it or is going to assure that you get to that checkpoint. There might be people there who help you and who want you to get to that checkpoint, but it's the next checkpoint is never guaranteed. And that's a rough thing because when you're younger, you always like second grade, you know, that's going to come third grade. You always know that you're going to make it. I mean, yes, some people do flunk out. Like Eminem flunked out of ninth grade three times. I guess that kind of stuff can happen, but there are little things that it feels like you kind of move along uh, you progress along smoothly. And then all of a sudden when you're an adult, now these checkpoints are just things that you have to come up with. And then there's no guarantee that you're ever going to hit them. And that is, that's a hard part about growing up because yeah, I mean, I being 29 now and really reflecting back onto my twenties, it's been a massive roller coaster. And I think it happens for a lot of people. It's probably the reason why a lot of my friends, who are in their 30s or in their 40s, they will tell you that your 30s, it's better than your 20s. And I think it's because your 20s, it's like the first time that you really have to make a name for yourself and figure out what it is that your life is about and what it is that you want to stand for. And it, it's been tough because I don't know at 29 if this is exactly what I would have hoped for when I was 20. Like I, I feel like probably the optimistic 20-year-old me was thinking that I would already have really done something spectacular and maybe I haven't done that yet and maybe it'll happen in my 30s. Maybe I don't know. But I do know that uh, I relate to what you said a lot, like having those moments where it's, it's like heartbreaking because you wanted it so bad and then it just didn't live up to your expectation. Yeah, well, it's... It- it's a uh, it's just a tough mindset to to find the healthy or it's it's a tough thing to find the healthy mindset within it all because it's like I want to hope for things and it's like uh what's that that phrase it's like expect the worst hope for the best but that's tough to do because if I get my hopes up it's almost like setting you almost uh kind of inadvertently build some sort of expectation and I don't want life to it doesn't feel great when life just feels like the the hopes that you have for things never truly quench that thirst um, in, in a lot of ways. And, and maybe that's not everybody's experience, um, but I think in a lot of ways I've, I've had that I've had moments that have felt pretty good. But uh, for the things that I've I've actively pursued and desired, I think in a lot of ways um, they haven't panned out and it. And it's, uh, it can be super deflating. I mean, I remember, um, I remember, geez, this, maybe when I was like 25, 20, yeah, either 24 or 25. And I was a PCA, um, personal care assistant, like for kid for kids with autism. I remember just like being in this really shitty situation and just like having the life sucked out of me from it. And feeling like for the first time, I don't want to have kids because I don't want to, I don't want them to have to go. I don't want them to have to deal with, um, the struggle of life, you know, bring them into a world that, that can really, uh, hurt you because I know that if I have a kid, I'm going to love them so much and to see them experience pain will be, uh, super tough. You know, uh, I'm just kind of going through where my head was at with it. You know, I was feeling really down and just feeling like, you know, it, I almost think that maybe having a kid would be selfish of me because I feel like it would give me joy to take care of this this little creation of mine. <laughs> um, but it also would be like, is subjugating a word? Subject, no. Hold on. It'd be subjecting them to possible pain and suffering in some ways um that that life just can bring to you sometimes and i'm i'm not trying to act like my life is so hard i i understand that objectively um i've got it good compared to a lot of people um but in terms of validating my own feelings on things just thinking about like if i would want to bring kids into the world i 
that's a that's a question that I have with myself uh, now because of that that reality that um, life uh, it's beautiful in a lot of ways because it it is surprising and it, it it takes a lot to find your way in in the surprise of life, but it also uh, can be really ugly sometimes and it can uh, really beat you down and I think. Um, being in the correct headspace. You know, we talked before this podcast just about self-sabotage and um, and we can kind of go into this a little bit more. But just about like being your own enemy. It's like arguably one of the worst things that you can do because life is hard enough as it is. So to add the burden of self-doubt, to add the burden of... uh judging yourself or um, adding expectations on yourself or being mad at yourself for not being to a certain place, I feel like uh, is, is past the line of accountability. It's, it's now to this place of um, devaluing yourself or uh, self-sabotage in the way that you just feel like you don't deserve anything. Well, not deserve, because I don't think we necessarily deserve anything, but that you don't, uh, that you're not worth anything, I guess. And I think, um, I don't know, I guess I'll pass it to you a little bit with this. Because I, I, I think that sometimes you get, uh, just like me, but you get into these headspaces where, you know, you're busting your ass, but for some reason you don't give yourself the credit, I think, that you deserve in in your uh, efforts on things. Do you Do you know where that even comes from? Do you know, how do you... Do you recognize it in yourself or what are your thoughts? I think I, I definitely recognize it within myself. I have a tendency to, when things are going well, I'm like trying to figure out like when they're going to not go well. Like I think I, I always have a tendency to not, it's weird. Cause I, I don't, it's not like I'm consciously thinking, all right, I need to self-sabotage this right now. Cause I don't think that I'm, it's that conscious in my mind, but when things are going well, I'm just like, how am I going to deal with the success of this going well? Which is such a weird thing because it doesn't make sense when you think about how humans strive to be successful because it's a good feeling to live within. But for some reason, a lot of people, when they get within that feeling, they want to stop feeling that thing. I don't know if it's just it's easier to feel bad. I think it's maybe it might partially be that feeling of like being let down. Like if you get this high at some point, you got to come back down and it's like, you want control over the situation. You don't want someone else or something else to tear you down. So you feel like if you do it to yourself, it's better than having that other thing, like step in and do it for you. So I think that that a lot of times, I mean, an example could be if you're in a relationship and it's going well, but you're, you're, you just have like a, a constant fear that maybe they're going to break up with you or something. So you just go out and do something that then will make them break up with you. That is a self-sabotage. And like, I, I've never done that specific thing before, but I've seen people do that type of thing before. And it's it's horrible to think that people would do it. Like that, 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 that would be a coping mechanism. But yeah, there's there's definitely times for me where I'm, I definitely do self-sabotage. Well, I, I, I think that's actually a really important distinction because I think I'm using that word or that phrase a little too liberally. I, I think when I actually think of self-sabotage, and I do think the words are important with this kind of stuff, uh, I, I think it is more intentional. I wouldn't say that what you struggle with is an intentional thing. I think it's very much either um, just the way that you have been conditioned by, you know, maybe by the way that you were raised or your experiences in life, whatever, uh, to kind of have this negative self-talk or this burdening um, voice in your head that adds pressure onto yourself. Um I would consider self-sabotage more of what you just talked about. Like mm -hmm. you think that something's going to happen, so you actively go out and sabotage the relationship because you think it's inevitable to happen anyways. Mm -hmm. um, I I think that I, I don't. I guess I don't know what the wording would be, but I think it's a lot more subtle. Um, what I think that a lot of people struggle with, and it it is becoming your own enemy almost, where it's just like like if I was pursuing. You know, if I'm pursuing music, let's just use that example. And that 
that path is so unconventional. That path is, you know, in terms of societal, traditional pursuits of your life and stuff. You know, people wouldn't consider that. Um, everybody and their mother tells you not to do it, basically, <laughs> um, because it's going to be really hard. With that fact of, of how difficult it's going to be, and then I also be like, oh, I, I don't have enough of this, or, oh, that performance went bad. I'm so bad. I'm never going to make it. Like, now I'm also a voice in my head telling myself that I'm not capable of getting to that. I already have enough voices telling me. I don't need my own. I need my own to be like, fuck these people. You know, fuck the fact that I only performed to two people in in a in a room. Um, I'm going to keep doing this because I believe in myself because I think that I have it. You know, whatever. I just think so many times I see people that I care about having that negative self-talk and it just is like listen (laughs) i want to slap them (laughs) and be like listen it's hard enough going through what you're going through don't also add on to it by beating yourself up you know i see that with you all the time and i'm just like dude like i've told you many times i'm so proud of you know knowing where you've been mentally emotionally and uh getting to where you are now. I mean, even like in more tangible things like your job, when you first moved to Chicago, your first job, you couldn't stand it. Um, and you were barely scraping by, um, you know, to, to like live comfortably and live securely. But now you live in a, a a two bedroom apartment in Chicago. One of the bedrooms in which is a studio. Like, look at that come up story. Like, that's awesome. That's incredible to have gone to that. And yet you want to act like you're not at a a good enough place. It's just like we all have our different timelines for things. And and we're trying to uh, strive for whatever, um, whatever we want. And I just think that being on your own case is is counterproductive. Well, here's the tough part about this is the way that my mind works is it actually, it helps me be successful at things because I always have this feeling of I'm, I'm, I'm never doing enough. I'm no matter what the thing is. I always feel like I should be better at it. I should be doing more on it. And that's why it's difficult because I know that that, that same thing is what also gets me to these places. So when I have some of these negative thoughts on myself, when I'm like, man, I should be making twice the amount of money I'm making right now. Or man, I should have 10 times the amount of subscribers I have right now. I get all these thoughts in my head and it's tough because yeah, I want to just push those out and think like, all right, no, it's fine. You're doing great. But if I pat myself on the back too much, then I'll feel too content. And if I feel too, too, too content, then I won't strive to push myself more. So the, it, it is this balance that I have to be, perfectly like it, it's it, well i mean i can't do it perfectly but yeah, it, it's a balance and because i'm very aware of the fact that this has its benefits sometimes i'll get into such a like a dark space in my head where i'm just like man i'm doing everything wrong mm-hmm. and like you and and i'll say my thoughts out loud to you and you'll be like trying to piece it all together and you're like wait a second like there's there's too much going on here yeah you've I, added so many layers yeah <laughs> you, you've gone so deep onto this what are you like what are you talking about now? All of a sudden, you're going to be a stockbroker. Like, what? This has nothing to do with what this conversation was about. Like, let's take a step back. I do this all the time because I, I want to be good at everything I kind of care about, and it's not possible because I, I have like too many interests and just too many things that I feel like I have to be good at, and I don't have that time. I don't have the energy. And honestly, if I tried to be like decent at that many things, then I wouldn't be really good at anything which is a horrible way of living your life. You don't you don't want to fall into that category either. Like you should be focused, find a handful of things and really double down on those and go all in. But I I I get so I'm probably a very frustrating person sometimes to be friends with because I think a lot of people can see like like look they look in from the outside and they're like, "Why why is he even why is he even talking or stressing out about this stuff?" This doesn't matter. He's like, like you could probably, people can probably see like he's doing a lot of the right things. Now there are some things that he should be, should be doing better at or should be focused on, but to be so like, I, I, 
like I, I talked about this, how back in November I had a panic attack and like I've been dealing with levels of anxiety and stress in like a way I've never felt before. This is all new to me. Like I've always had, I've never had like a diagnosed anxiety disorder, but I probably do have one if I were to guess because I, I've always had like the, these things that sort of do prevent me from like wanting to do certain things. And uh, over the last few days I started feeling I didn't, I didn't have a panic attack or anything, but I started feeling like the same things that I felt that day. So it's been, I, it's like, I can get in my head a lot <laughs> and it's, it's made me realize the power of what your thoughts can do to you. Cause it can actually make you physically feel like there's something wrong with you. And it's, it's just, it's bizarre. Yeah. And there's kind of within what you're talking about, there's a fine line between accountability and, uh, beating yourself down <laughs> like i think that um you know having check-ins with yourself to be like i'm not doing the things that i want to be doing or uh, these are some some things i want to approach that's fine and i think you should have that stuff to to keep striving to be the best person you can be but when that turns into i'm a piece of shit or i i feel so guilty for not doing any of these things that i'm ever doing or uh, look at this person compared to me and how they've gone. It just, I feel like that's such a twisted um, way to a, a approach stuff and really hurt yourself, really, um, you know, beat up on yourself o over stuff that maybe, like we talked about, you know, it, for instance, you said the stockbroker thing. So, like, let's say that you want to get into stocks. Maybe you haven't been. And you see a person who's doing really well with it instead of approaching be like, geez, I'm such a, I knew this would have been a good idea and I just didn't do it. I'm, I'm such a piece of crap. Maybe it's like, oh, okay. So I see a person who's doing it and it is working out. Maybe it is something I need to actually prioritize and take care of. Like those are, it's the same exact thing that's happening in real life, but it's two completely different approaches to what that thing is that's happening in real life. And I feel like that's, that can be the difference in life. Is, is how you respond to things, how you react to things, how you approach things, confront things in general. Um, I even think you can look at it in a more tangible sense of like even things that I can't control, like you. Like let's say that you were doing something that I didn't like. Like I could approach you and just immediately spaz out on you, but you're probably not going to handle that very well. The better approach would probably be like, hey, Steven, I want to talk about this. Can we talk through this a little bit? And I'm guessing... You know, maybe you still won't like that I like what I have the content of what I have to say, but I'm guessing you're going to be much more apt to listen or, uh, you know, be an active participant in the conversation if I approach it in that manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're definitely your approach to how you say things to people is so important. I mean, it's an obvious sales technique to make someone feel comforted in, in their objections. But in that exact scenario, I, I could see it playing out. I mean, we're good at communicating with each other. So that's really why we don't get in too many arguments, to be honest with you. Yeah. But when you don't have good communication styles with people, that's when things escalate and people go nuts. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, we talked about this too, just that sales, that sales technique thing. You know, I think you and I are actually both pretty good salesmen. Um, but neither of us morally like <laughs> the idea yeah. of sales. Unless, I mean, I guess if it was selling our own stuff, I think it'd be different. But yeah, I like, think I think it. I mean, to be fair, like I think it just like depends on. Like I think, like I'm fine with sales if I actually genuinely feel like it's something that right. is helping people out. I just like there's some sales that it feels a little shady. Right, Not but a fan. my point in, within this is. The thing that I think makes us good salesmen is just in general our communicate the the way that we articulate things or communicate things. It's not it doesn't even really have to do with the product itself. It has to do with the fact that maybe the way that we approach a conversation or approach, you know, uh, talking to talking someone through something is capable of, uh, um, you know, making a different outcome. And I think that that can show you. You know, you could be a shady salesman who's just going to lie through your teeth and get people to, to purchase something. Or you could be a person that's super approachable and like someone who people 
are willing to listen to just because the way that you talk to them is nice. And uh, that was kind of when I had my LA fitness job, that was kind of my like approach when I, I, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of sales per se, but the thing that I did do, I had to convince people to, to do and, or like to commit to. And my approach was always like, go into it. Like I'm on your side. Like I'm going to help you with this thing. And, uh, you know, all it really was, was me like, Hey, your card probably changed. I can help you clear that up. And people that maybe typically wouldn't be as comfortable to do that over the phone would do that with me over the phone and I would get commission off of it. So it was just like, I don't know. I just, the, the whole point in this, I'm getting really out, uh, all over the place, but the whole point in it is I think approach can be super meaningful with your interactions with people and with your thought process internally. What is your, uh, on, a, on a different note altogether, What's your favorite video game right now? My favorite video game right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm honestly kind of in a weird phase right now because I'm Twitch streaming. I'm, I'm like uh, just playing specific games. Um, like I'll play Skyrim, um, but I'm kind of getting sick of Skyrim again. Sky- Skyrim is one of those games. It's like probably one of my favorite games of all time, but I'll like go through phases where I really want to play it and then I'll play it for a while and then I'll be like, all right, I want to put this aside for a second. Um, and that's kind of how I'm starting to feel. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Rocket League lately. Honestly, Rocket League might be my favorite game right now. Um, just because I feel like I'm actually getting a little bit better. And in that game, when you start to be able to do things that you weren't able to do before, it's, it's kind of rewarding because it's like, oh, I can get to a ball up in the, up in the air that this other guy can't get to, so I can score on him. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is actually just really quick. I this is an interesting part of the streaming as I feel like it's kind of changed how I approach playing video games a tiny bit because I I mean I like playing video games in general, but it is I do want to pay attention to what games I'm playing because I would like to also have an audience. And there are some games that I play where I'm not able to interact with my audience as much, so mm-hmm. it's not as enjoyable for them. And uh, I've just kind of been paying attention to that a little bit. But Rocket League's probably my favorite game right now. Dude. What about you? Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. Oh, my. <laughs> this game sucks so bad. Brandon is I, – I, part of the reason why I brought this up is because I want to I want to call Brandon out on something. All right, let's hear it. All right, so this has been, this has been something that I uh, – you know, sometimes you just got to call out your friend because they're, they're doing something that's just – it's garbage. And uh, I've, I've – I've got enough data now to make this point. So I played, you know, I, I'm okay at Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. It's a Nintendo 64 game. It's old school. Definitely not probably a, a big Twitch community <laughs> game. Though, you know, maybe there's a, a few people who play it. I really don't know. Um, but I, I played against Brandon, and uh, I won 22 to nothing, if we're going to be particular, or if we're going to be specific here. But that's actually not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking but we got to make sure to mention that. We got to make sure we talk about it about the fact that I won 22 to nothing, but that's not the important part. <laughs> okay, the important part is I now understand what Brandon's competitive tactics are. So I'm going to call him out here. So don't so you can't speak until until I explain what he does because this is something that you want to make sure you never do. Don't be a Brandon. So, when you play a Brandon in something competitively, this is what he does. If he's winning and he it, what he'll do is so he'll play the sort of the the role of the playing the bigger man, and the playing the bigger man role. This is this is how it works. The whole time, he'll act like he's mature, and he's just playing a game, just having a good time. And while you're over there getting frustrated because you're losing, he'll act like you're the one who's who's being all crazy about about the game at hand. He'll act like he's he's got it all figured out. He's mature. Um. He'll be calm, collected. Maybe he'll 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 uh, boast just a little bit, just to make you feel like you suck. So that's what he'll do. That's that's what'll happen if he's winning. Now, if he's losing, there's two things that he's gonna do. He's either one gonna complain that the game is broken or that it sucks, or basically just do anything possible 
to show that it has it's nothing to do with the fact that he just sucks and everything to do with the fact that the game is broken or that the game sucks. So there's no possible way that he's going to get uh, that he like is going to be phased at all, even though he's getting really pissed off the entire time. Or the other alternative, which is my absolute favorite thing that Brandon loves to do, which is when we're playing the game and things aren't going his way because he's losing because he sucks. What he'll do is he'll stop taking it serious to try to basically make it seem like it's not a big deal. It's just a game. So all of a sudden he'll let you get in the ballpark home runs or he'll uh, give away all his properties in Monopoly. And that's just the way that Brandon plays games. And I got to call it out here because I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm over. Uh, I actually think that you're, uh, the way that you've interpreted this is wrong. Because oh. first of all, oh, it's look, wrong. Wait, no, you you got to talk your piece. Oh, now it's my okay. turn to talk my piece. First okay. of all, you beat me in Mar- Mario Tennis as well, <laughs> and none of those things that you just explained did I do. I specifically hate Ken Griffey uh, Junior Baseball, but none of it is an excuse for me to say that I would be good at this game if it was whatever. I know that I'm shit at the game. <laughs> So I don't have a desire to take it seriously. I also, you are a spaz when you're losing. So I don't, I have to try to be mature because I don't want to deal with you spazzing out all the time. In fact, we were playing the other day and I said, I don't want to play a competitive game because I don't want you to get into a shitty mood. So it's not just, oh, when I'm winning, I try to be the bigger man. It's me dealing with the energy that you're pushing off, which is fucking craziness. Because sometimes in competitive games when I'm winning, I am a dick because I try to get into your head. Like when you and I play NBA Live, sometimes I will specifically try to get into your head because when you get pissed, you go this way. So it's not as accurate in black and white as Steven has tried to make it out here. And also my intent behind some of the stuff that you said is not accurate either. Oh. Okay. Okay. But yeah. 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 Basically, right. <laughs> basically, the reason why I bring this up is because I, I, I just, you know, we get really competitive when we play some of these games, and uh, you know, there's there's better ways to handle it. <laughs> this is fucking rich coming from this guy, <laughs> the most just petty person, the the worst competitive person to ever deal with in the history of any person I've ever competed with. And you're gonna fucking call me. Up. I like I like just like coming up with like philosophies. So this is my philosophy on Brandon's competitiveness. This this has been brought to you by, uh, I can't think of any company. But well, speaking of competitiveness, we wanted to talk about Tom Brady. That's a little true. Bit. That's true. <laughs> so, so we uh, can segue into that. Yeah. So in terms of competitiveness, everyone's favorite underdog, Tom Brady. <laughs> Is going to his 10th Super Bowl, and he's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which, interesting fact, that's the only other NFL stadium I've ever been to. I did see a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game like seven years ago. Wait, what was the first one? Really random. Cleveland Browns. Oh, you went to a Browns game? Yeah, I've been to the Browns uh, three, four times maybe. Okay. Um, Never to a Bengals game? No. Is Cincinnati pretty far from where it's you're from? It's pretty far, yeah. It's oh, like okay. four hours away, um, which I guess I don't know if that's far, but it's like far enough where I've never been before. Steelers are actually closer. That's only like a, a little over two hours away. Um, but the the game, well, it's not this. It's, it's it must be what next weekend? Is that when it is? Probably. Yeah. yeah, it's always two weeks after the championship games. Yeah, so uh, we got like a week to talk. But but basically, I made predictions on the last episode mm-hmm. where I and I predicted right. I predicted actually the Super Bowl right, which I'm. Which I'm pretty pumped on, cause uh, and you predicted that the the Bucks are gonna win the whole thing. Yeah, and th- and this wasn't like uh, like my I wouldn't say it was like that hot of a take, but like this was not the projected Super Bowl. No, so the Packers were supposed to win. Yeah, so that's kind of cool just to see this uh, play out. And I I guess I'm I'm definitely well I'm definitely rooting for the Buccaneers because I randomly don't like Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't even really know why, but I don't either. Um, I this is another Super Bowl where I'd be happy with either one winning because. I I think I'd be most happy if Tom Brady won because, like we talked, I think I said this on last episode. I I'm so glad that he made it to the Super Bowl because everybody who says he's just a system quarterback can shut the fuck up. Um, I also don't know how anybody disputes that he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. He's almost been to the Super Bowl in half the seasons that he's played, which is nuts. Because like basketball is one thing because basketball is much more individual sport. Like football is such a team sport, so I. 
you can say that against him and say, well, it's because his teams were good enough. But some of the teams he brought to the Super Bowl weren't the greatest teams, and he made it click. The Buccaneers got him, and they were a playoff team and now a Super Bowl team. They were they had a losing record last year and were one of the teams that the league like thought was shit. So I just, I, I think, uh, but this year... I would be happy with them winning or I'd be happy with the Chiefs winning because the Chiefs, I would kind of like to see a new dynasty. Um, you know, like the Patriots used to be the top dog and now I would like to see Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs become that. And specifically Patrick Mahomes, it would kind of be cool to like see Tom Brady passing the torch to Patrick Mahomes. Like it's now it's Patrick Mahomes' time mm. to like run the league. That's kind of a cool narrative, yeah. And – a couple years ago, Patrick Holmes faced Tom Brady in the, I think it was the AFC Championship when he was on the Patriots, and the Patriots barely won and ended up winning in the Super Bowl. So it's kind of a um, a revenge narrative that you have as well, where they're facing off again in a in a huge game. So Yeah, and the Chiefs are definitely the favorites too, right? Yeah, That's I believe like, so. Yeah. Though yeah. it would be like I didn't realize that the Buccaneers weren't even a playoff team last year. No, I think their record was like seven and nine. That's pretty cool then, because like it, it definitely was a big deal when Brady left the Patriots. Because I think there was even talks of him retiring, right? Wasn't that like part of the yeah, thing was, on the table? Yeah, that was thrown out there. I he never said that, but people were talking about how he should because he was washed up. Yeah, and that's that's the, Max Kellerman. You, that's you're the your guy, part. Max Kellerman. <laughs> I love how now Max Kellerman's <laughs> my guy. I'm just kidding. I mean, I just I just think Max Kellerman has. Okay takes, no, oh, so, some okay takes. To be honest with you, Max Kellerman's like Skip Bayless 2.0. No, no, no. That's how bad his takes are. Not like his personality, but Skip his takes. Ba- Skip Bayless is actually the worst. Fucking He's Max Kellerman said, if I had a, a shot on the line, I'd rather have a- uh, Andre Iguodala take it than Steph Curry. It's <laughs> oh, like one yeah. of the worst takes I've ever heard. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I do he, think they, he also has been saying for years that um, Tom Brady's washed up and needs to retire. Yeah, but I mean, I think part of the reason why they say these things is it's for like the the clickbait and like then I'll go back and watch it just to, because I'm in disbelief. But you're right, I I do think that they do also have bad takes. Skip Bayless for sure, just whatever reason decided that he was going to be anti-LeBron, maybe because he just knew it would be great for his career. But his takes are so. Bad. I cannot stand like anything that man says. Yeah. Well, Max Kellerman is the same way to Tom Brady as Skip Bayless was to LeBron. James. Oh, really? See, I don't. Yeah. I don't listen to those guys talk about football because uh, I'm not a big football guy. I would say this year I've been like the, this is the biggest football guy that yeah, I've been. You played fantasy football because I played fantasy football <laughs> and my team was randomly pretty good. Have you actually liked it at all because of this? Uh, what football? Yeah. Just in general, because we've even watched a couple games together. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I think I'm like going to like it a bit more. I mean, it's definitely not my favorite sport, but to be honest with you, uh, I haven't been following the NBA as much, so I feel like I've I've been following football a little bit more now than I did before. I don't know. The pandemic has definitely caused weird people to do weird things. Who knows? Maybe I'm a big football guy now. Big Browns guy. That's sort of been like the new running joke. Because I mean, the Browns actually made it to the playoffs and won a game. So yep. now the team that I root for actually is competent. Who knows? Maybe they'll be even better next year. I don't know what people are Should thinking, be. but yeah. this is the first year with the new coach. So typically, the especially the coach coach quarterback uh, tandem gets a lot better after year one. Like the Packers last year, they were decent, but they definitely made it further than I think their team should have. And this year, they were like a team to be reckoned with. Like they, I think they even should have won that game against the Buccaneers. But yeah. Um, I was, <laughs> I was just thinking about how <laughs> we have an episode called "Everything Must Sports." Yeah, <laughs> and like, <laughs> I don't know why it's like just dawned on me how I like that is such a funny title. <laughs> it is, and I think that's one of our <laughs> least listened to episodes as well. If I saw that title, I'd have to listen to it. I do wonder, like, <laughs> how people like Skip Bayless and has has, has a job. I I don't know. It doesn't make any sense because I'm like, there's no way that there aren't just random people who happen to watch a lot of basketball that don't have better takes than this man. Right. I I hate them. And uh, are you are you rooting for LeBron this year? 
What are you rooting for? What narrative in the NBA are you rooting um, for? I would like to see Kevin Durant versus LeBron in the finals. Oh, my God. I, I, I think I would, too, but only if the Lakers actually won. Because I would love to see – I love to see LeBron beat Kyrie. That would also make me pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm I'm not okay. I'm a huge Kyrie fan in the fact that he helped contribute to one of the greatest moments of my life, but I cannot stand his decision making and just the things that he says. Yeah, he's uh I don't think he's a very good guy. <laughs> no. No, he's a little crazy and I like that that Nets team is so bizarre but so entertaining. Yeah. What a funny trio between Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. Like, probably my three least favorite players in the NBA are now on one team. Mm. It used to be, like, Steph Curry used to be kind of high on the list, but that was literally, I was kind of blinded by just the fact that <laughs> the Warriors were my, like, mortal enemy. Like, yeah. I like Steph Curry for the most part. Yeah. He's real good. He is good. Um,. This conversation got away from us. Yeah, we, we we started talking about sports. I literally <laughs> said before this, I was like, we're only talking about sports for three minutes. No more than three minutes. I think it's been eight minutes. And then we went deep into sports. Everything must sports. Everything must th- th- sports. This is the closest you're going to get to everything must sports, too. So. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, was there any final thoughts that you had? We had, we talked about a lot on today's episode. Yeah. Um, no final thoughts, but in terms of like what uh, I've got coming up from a personal standpoint, um, if you haven't been to my YouTube channel in a while, it's uh, Stephen Russell B. Stephen with a V. Not none of that PH trash. Um, you've probably noticed that like my videos are a little different. I mean, they feel familiar, but they're like a little bit different in terms of like the new camera. Um, I have a new editing software. The style is a little bit different. Um, I've got. I'll be doing this kind of the same thing for the next like few weeks, and then I'll probably gradually start upping it more and more and maybe branching out a bit more. But the prob- the one thing there probably won't be too much of uh, in the close future is like real vlogging kind of stuff because there's like not nothing to do and the weather is really cold. So that'll be a little bit on the back burner. But um, I am looking forward to vlogging again because that's actually the thing I miss the most in terms of content right now. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I miss that as well. Um. As far as me, uh, I talked a little bit on my stream yesterday. Uh, well, yesterday at the time of this recording. Uh, so Saturday, uh, January 30th. Um, I'm going to be doing some new stuff on my stream. Uh, I am going to continue doing things like playing games by myself, playing games with friends. Um, and then uh, I also sometimes will like build Legos and stuff on stream. But I would like to start incorporating, uh, like, playing board games with my audience on stream. Um, so if you are interested in that, come come check it out. I'm also going to start doing music stuff on stream as well. And then I'm also, at the beginning of each stream, I'm going to uh, do a workout. So if you're a person who stru- is struggling to uh, get motivated to work out or something, um, I'll, I start my streams anytime between like five and six on the weekdays. Uh, feel free to come by, and uh, that first like hour will be uh, a little bit of a workout. So twitch.tv slash flipping gaming for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how that goes. But uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening uh, to this point in the episode and to all previous episodes that you have listened to. We appreciate that very much. If you have any thoughts, comments, or questions, feel free to email us emgpod at gmail.com or you can call us at 513-427-EMG5. We are also on social media at emgpod. He is at Stephen Russell B. And I am at Brandon J. Flippin. We will see you next time. Take it easy, everybody.